Hi, and welcome to DaVita Leadership Insights, a weekly podcast for DaVita teammates who want to become a better leader, both personally and professionally. I am Doug Miller, a master coach and DaVita University faculty member. And I'm Grace Berman, a senior director with DaVita University. Today, we get to chat with Maggie Anderson, a senior vice president at DaVita. Maggie will share with us today what she has learned about getting the right stuff done, or as we like to call it here, GRSD. Welcome, Maggie. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be with you. I'm a little bit of a podcast junkie, so Ooh. this is oh, exciting. Awesome. Now nice. you get to be on this one. That's cool. Thanks so much for uh, for showing up and being here. And, and we've uh, you've been with The Village for a while now, and uh, in true DaVita fashion, collected a portfolio of work that you're responsible for. So let's just jump right in with how do you differentiate between the right stuff and the wrong stuff? Yeah, it's a great question and one that I continue to ask myself. Uh, As I've progressed in my career, um, there's sort of two things that I'm really present to around this concept of GSD. The first is that as I've gone from an individual contributor to a leader of teams and then a leader of large teams, uh, I've had to be intentional about shifting from doing the work myself to getting the work done through others and coaching uh, as, a, as a part of that getting work done. So when I think about that, uh, what also comes to mind is the tension between speed and capacity. So as an example, it would be faster for me to do the work myself uh, and get to the answer, but if I'm ever going to create capacity uh, for both myself and my team, I've got to invest the time in the coaching. So as a leader, we all, I think, need to be really present to the fact that coaching is uh, a better leveraged activity than actually doing the work ourselves. So it sounds like you're differentiating the right stuff versus the wrong stuff as uh, in your role as a leader to be able to achieve your work through others. I, I remember someone had told me that early on when I became uh, a leader of people and just saying, hey, as a leader of people, it's not about you getting that stuff done anymore as an individual contributor. It's about getting your work done through others. And are you good with that? Is that the type of role you want to be in? And so it sounds as though that's, that's uh, one litmus test that you use to differentiate It is. And, you know, in the village where there's always more to do than one can actually physically accomplish in a day, it's an important uh, screen to put on your work, to ask yourself, how are you spending your time? And are you actually um, giving your team the benefit of the coaching? Because it is a natural tendency. We, We got to be leaders because we got stuff done as an individual contributor. And it's a very different set of activities once you become a leader. And how do you stay focused on and make sure that you're focused on that right stuff? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, uh, The first thing is a constant sort of scanning of how I'm spending my time. So every uh, day when I get up, I'm looking at not just the day's activities, but the week and the month to make sure that mentally the things that I need to make sure I'm moving in uh, results are where I'm spending my time. Uh, I do that with my executive assistant. She and I spend a lot of time together making sure that as new things come on the calendar, I'm intentional about what comes off. Uh, And just being that constant scan. Uh, The second thing that really comes to mind on this is what I call the helicopter effect because many leaders have moments where you need to be in the weeds or, as I like to say, the flowers. 
um, really, you know, getting uh, side by side with folks and helping them figure out problems. And at other times, uh, I need to be helicoptering up to 100,000 feet preparing a strategy, you know, material for something for Mike or JR. And so um, it's really making sure that you're looking at the activities that need to be done and how you spend your time on each of those two areas. And is there any any criteria that you're using in terms of how do you determine when should I stop and smell that flower and get involved in that flower versus helicopter up? How do you how do you determine that? Well, I think it really depends on uh, the quality and capability of my team. Uh, as an example, in my Apex portfolio today, I'm down two divisional vice presidents. And mm-hmm. so that means that I've got to be working labor daily with my rods. And at the same time, I need to be thinking about how I'm going to allocate time in order to prepare for you know, uh, a strategic presentation on the Lifeline portfolio. So... Um, and they take very much different skill sets, different amounts of time. And so the other thing that I like to do is um, back myself up from important uh, milestones. So if I've got a big meeting coming up on Friday, I'll make sure that I have two checkpoints on my calendar for Monday and Wednesday just to be sure that everything's getting done. Mm-hmm. I'm not a person that likes to have a fire drill at the end. So that has helped me to make sure that, and it helps my team to know if I need something from them, that they're getting me what I need for the final milestone. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Kind of along those lines, what what strategies do you use to prioritize? So we talk about getting the right stuff done. So now it's about kind of stacking them and determining what has priority over others. So how do you do that at work? And then how do you do that at home? Is it any different? Yeah, I would say that um, the first thing at work and at home, learning that I don't have to be good at everything. Uh, particularly in uh, the the village that I live in, both at work and at home, uh, there are a lot of people around who can help me. And so as an example, uh, go go back to the calendar, I wouldn't spend a second working on my calendar, uh, accepting appointments, sorting that out. I leave that to an expert. Um, nor would I spend time doing my taxes because I'm not going to be good at that either. I'm not good so, at that either. Uh, <laughs> you know, really thinking about where where are my skills uh, best utilized and letting other people, I mean, success is surrounding myself with people who are smarter and better than I am. So I, I firmly believe that that's the key. Yeah. Cool. cool. Would you be willing to share an example of a time when you failed at GSRD and, and what did you do and how did it turn out? Yeah, sure. Uh, there's so many. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'm a firm believer that uh, you learn more from your failure than you do from your success. Yeah. And so I could I could go on for, for hours here. But one particularly that I think is important uh, at DeVita is when I came to DeVita and I did not really fully understand ESRD and nephrology broadly, uh, some of my teammates, particularly in inner city settings, um, would say to me, yeah, we can't get to our clinical goals because our patients are really unique and they're sicker. And so what I spent my time doing wrongly uh, was focusing on, okay, I should get the bar lowered for those patients. Mm. And after spending some time with a lot of really successful um, 
teammates and physicians in those inner city settings, I recognized that, that the right stuff was actually to help the teammates who thought they couldn't overcome that barrier to see that others had overcome that and giving them the tools to uh, solve the problem rather than sort of find themselves in a, the victim mode or uh, why we can't. I, I like to say, um, you know, focus on how we can, not why we can't. And I think that that has proven to be true over and over and over again um, because it's easy to find reasons why it's hard. Um, but as leaders, we have to figure out how to help people get to the solution. So ultimately, you asked, how did it turn out? Um, those uh, geographies that had the worst outcomes are now at the top uh, of Apex. So it just goes to show you that when you say we can and you focus on how we can, uh, anything's possible. Yeah, and I'm curious too, and you talked about a work example, and this is something that I know I struggle with, and I've heard a lot of other teammates also struggle with, getting the right stuff done in your whole day and prioritizing your home life as well. How Have you had a time where you've stumbled there, and how did you overcome that? Yeah, you know, I can think of a specific one. Um, we do this thing at DeVita called the... Um, life alignment wheel, where you evaluate what's important in your personal life. And for me, that was family, friends, community. And I try to fit in a little self-care. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I've mastered that one yet. <laughs> but what I found myself facing, uh, my mother was sick with cancer. And um, I knew that that was a priority, but I wasn't finding the time to get back to my hometown in Dayton, where uh, she was going through chemo and things. And you know, I had to really evaluate um, how I was spending my time. And so I made the time to get back there and uh, it really uh, changed my fulfillment um, at work, knowing that I had kept some balance uh, in my life by spending the right amount of time uh, in my personal life with my priorities. I will say it's, it's a never-ending journey because now that she's in remission, um, I found myself reflecting on the same thing and how do mm. I make sure that I keep getting back there uh, to hit my family given that I'm not physically in the same state. Yeah, and you said that you were visiting just last, last weekend? Yes, I just got back from a trip to Dayton. And so, um, yeah, it, uh, I'm fully re-energized around the personal work-life balance. Ah, oh, that's great. Great to hear. So Maggie, I, there's something with GRSD that I know I, I struggle with sometimes. And I wonder uh, if you have some advice or if you've gone through the same thing, which is that I feel like I'm focused. I try to convince myself that I'm focused on the right stuff when I want to do something that I like. So if it's something that excites me or interests me and I just think, oh, that would be fun to do. And I know it's really not the right thing to do. It's really not that important. Do you ever get stuck in that cycle? And how do you, how would you recommend breaking out of that? Yeah, well, I think the first step is self-awareness around what your preferences are. We all have them. And to just acknowledge that we have a preference for certain things over others. And in some ways, I have to push myself into the ones that that I'm not as, as interested in or that aren't my preferences and physically make sure I'm allocating the time. So going back to the calendar and just be keeping, keeping check. Um, you know, the other thing is, is 
the one beautiful thing about the village is that we have lots of different ways to measure our outcomes and whether we're having success. Um, you know, the leaderboard is one of them, uh, and there's lots of different places to look. So if we're using that as the ultimate measuring stick for whether we're getting stuff done, um, you know, just making sure that uh, we're spending the right amount of time on the things that we're not moving uh, mm -hmm. is, is the way that I think about it. You know, it's in, it's interesting because this question reminds me of our life alignment. Dis, one of the distinctions we make inside that that uh, that perspective of how we look at our work is this idea of energizers and depleters. And so, I, I want to give you permission, Grace, oh, to go do those things that energize you oh. and be mindful of you know how how you're blocking time to to be doing that and making sure it's not actually getting in the way of some of those depleters that might actually need to get done. Yeah. So. And, and as a leader, you know, I think about if I do not have really talented people who are good at the stuff that I'm not good at or that I don't have a preference for, that is going to just push me to be in the flowers doing that mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. So I think we all can think about how to get the right talent mm -hmm. uh, working with us and for us um, so that we can spend our time doing the things that we get most energy from. Well, Maggie, it is about that time. And at the end of all of our episodes, we ask our guests to share one tip that they would ask our listeners to try. So what is your one tip on getting the right stuff done? And I think this tip is helps you to get the right stuff done. And it also helps you to just be a high performer and a good team member. So it's a, it's a good win-win is to always be asking for feedback. So when it comes to work, I'm always asking my boss, am I getting the right stuff done? And tell me where you think I should or could adjust. Um, that question, if asked enough, you're going to get insights into their perspective. When I think about at home, it's, you know, you look at the life alignment wheel, I would ask my sisters, you know, am I spending enough time with my family? Or if you have a spouse, you know, what's your view on whether my alignment is right and whether I'm spending the right time uh, fulfilling my family? So I think asking intentionally for that feedback is my one tip. Excellent. Great. Thank yeah. you so much, Maggie, for being on the show. Really appreciate all you contribute to the village. Thanks, Maggie. It's my pleasure. That was a great chat with Maggie. And I loved her tip at the end to ask for feedback at work and home, whether you're hitting the mark around getting the right stuff done. Yeah, that was a good tip. And speaking of tips, Doug, it's my turn to follow up on the tip from our last episode. Oh, how did it go? Yeah, how to lead diversity and belonging. This is, the, this is a tough one. Right. So Eric's tip was to check out the new belonging playbook on the Team Mosaic site on the Village webpage mm -hmm. and just look for some ideas on homeroom discussions and other activities. Right. So what was really cool is that we just happened to have a recent homeroom in Wisdom in which we started a conversation on diversity and belonging. And we had guided questions and it really helped to create a safe environment for us to start the conversation. It was a good one. Yeah, it was good. And I, I, you know, we had talked about in the episode that it can be a struggle for us to even start the conversation for fear of hurting someone's feelings or saying the wrong thing. And this this homeroom activity really helped us to get into that mindset and just have the courage to start talking. Way to go. Sounds yeah. good. 
And for our listeners, we would love to hear your stories and tips as well. Please check out our show notes and click on the listener mail link and find out more about submitting your stories and tips in writing or through a voice message. And if you enjoy these podcasts, please also rate us on iTunes or click on the survey link in our show notes so we know how we're doing. See you next week. One for all. And all for one.